0: Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it! (laughs) All right, let's go. What a crazy... Amazing few weeks it's been. Two weeks ago on Palm Sunday, Lewis brought an amazing word to us, challenging us to surrender. And I hope that you took that to heart and your heart has just been stirring, like finding areas of your life that are maybe not surrendered to the Lord. And then my wife followed that up last week with a powerful message called Wanted. And those two messages really fit together like a hand in a glove. Um, God is clearly calling us to Him. Self, And uh, this is not the moment or time in history to ignore his call. Uh, The great apostle Paul warned us that things are going to get very dark in the last days. And so it should be no surprise that the world feels kind of like it's spinning out of control. Anybody felt like that? But it's not time for worry and anxiety. And I don't care if this sounds cliche, but God is still on the throne. And scripture tells us. Scripture tells us not only will it get dark, but that He will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. In Acts chapter 2, Peter was quoting from the prophet Joel and he said, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I don't know if you know this or not, but when the students were here declaring the word, they were prophesying. Because to prophesy means to declare the word of God. And so we've, we're have we seeing this scripture fulfilled right before our eyes just a moment ago as God is pouring out his spirits on sons and daughters to share the word. And for decades, charismatics and Pentecostals have read this passage and gotten very excited. And there is something to be excited about. But this isn't just a prophecy or declaration. It's a call to action. There is a decision that needs to be made. When it says pour out my spirit on all people, the word on in the Greek is very significant. We read this word as if it's like God is pouring something onto us like a pitcher or a bucket of water and it's pouring onto us. And that's part of it. But something I never saw before was that the root word also means against in other words, in the last days, God is going to pour out his spirit on all people. You will either be upon us or against us. And I don't know about you, but as God begins to pour out his spirit, I don't want it to be against me. I want to be in a receiving posture so that I can receive all that he has for me. And I thank God that it closes this section with, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That was a... Uh, Intro to a sermon. I'm not even preaching. <laughs> the time is now to call upon the name of the Lord. Listen, you've heard it declared through the students. If you're sitting here and your life is not in alignment with God, you've not surrendered your life. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another moment. As Johnny said, you can do it right in your seat where you are. We don't have to make a spectacle out of it. There's nothing else. But you know in your heart if it's you know if it's right. It's right standing with God or not. You know. And I'm not here to beat you up and preach against all the sins and all the bad things we do. Gavin told us, you know, forgiveness is for everybody, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been. There's no place that you can go that's far so far. Right. Scripture tells us that God is arm. His arm is not too short, that he can't reach us. There's no place that you can go that God can't reach down and pick you up. And if you're in the room today, don't leave this place with your heart out of alignment and not in right standing with God. There's no reason for that. We are in the last days. God is pouring out His Spirit that we will either receive it or it will be against us. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on the other side of that wave when it comes rushing and me not being prepared as if the hurricane just showed up instantly. When hurricanes blow through the state, we get ready, right? And the ones that are boarding up their windows, putting the sandbags on when the storm is hitting, it's too late. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. All right. Our theme for the year is breakthrough. And the more I dive into the subject, the more I think that it's a never ending topic. And this will be part two of a message that I began a few weeks ago called Speak the Breakthrough. And in that message, I called us as a church to a negativity fast. And I encourage you to allow your spouse or closest friends to call you out when you started speaking negatively. And a large portion of our married couples needed therapy before we even got back to your car. (laughs) I wanted to ask how it went, but I'm guessing for most of us, it didn't go well. It was pretty negative even right there, wasn't it? How many of you noticed during that time that you complained more often than you thought that you did? How many of you thought it was difficult to fast negativity? Nobody. You guys are way... (laughs) Either nobody did it or you are lying or you got it all together. Did you think that it would do you think it was harder because there were just all of a sudden more things to complain or be negative about? Or was it just that you were more aware? aware, 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 aware. Our culture thrives on negativity, right? We complain a lot. Hashtag first world problems. Anybody remember Weird Weird Al. Famous for his parody work, instead of Beat It from Michael Jackson, it was Eat It. Instead of I'm Bad, it was I'm Fat. Instead of Riding Dirty, it was White and Nerdy. (laughs) Nobody heard that? Don't act like you haven't heard it. White and Nerdy is a lot of your theme song. Like you're you're cruising down Bill, I'm white and nerdy. About 10 years ago, he had a parody song called First World Problems, and I found the lyrics to be insightful. It says this My maid is cleaning my bathroom, and so I can't take a shower. And when I do, the water starts getting cold after an hour. I couldn't, I couldn't order off the breakfast menu because I slept in till two. And then I filled up on bread and didn't leave any room for tiramisu. Oh, no, there's a pixel out on the corner of my laptop screen. And I don't have any bills small enough for the vending machine. Some idiot just called me up on the phone. What? Don't they know how to text? OMG, I got first world, first world problems. I bought too many groceries for my refrigerator. Forgot my gardener's name, I'll have to ask him later. I tried to fast forward commercials, can't, I'm watching live TV. My barista didn't even bother to make a design in the foam on top of my vanilla latte. I got first world world problems. Can't remember which car I drove to the mall. My Sonic Care won't recharge and now I have to brush my teeth like a Neanderthal. The thread count on these cotton sheets has got me itching. My house is so big I can't get Wi-Fi in the kitchen. Uh, I had to buy something I didn't even need just so I could qualify for free shipping. I got first world, first world problems. Complaining is part of our culture. But as Christ followers, we are often no different than the world. But we should be. We who should be full of the joy of the Lord, complain as much or more than anyone else. We get angry just as easily. We troll people on social media just as much. We wait in line just as impatiently. We drive just as hurriedly. We curse just as often. We use hand gestures just as frequently. First time I met Carmen and Becky, they talked about when they flip people off, they just flap their arms. (laughs) got cut me off of the road. I'm giving him the bird. <laughs> we, we honk at people just as often. Anybody else need to be delivered from honking? Good. This next story is going to help us. <clears throat> I have been delivered. Recently, on the way to soccer, I was sitting on Baseline Road about to turn left. And there was someone on the other side of the road that was waiting to cross traffic onto the same road that I was turning to. So right, so we're all waiting to turn or cross. There's all kinds of traffic. I have the right of way, and I'm about to turn. So I'm going here, and over here's a guy that's got to cross the road that that I'm on. He's facing east, about to cross. I'm facing the other direction. All right, so I start to go, and Katie's going, "Be careful! Be careful!" He's going, and I'm thinking, "Oh no, he's not." <laughs> now we're both trying to get to the same place. It's my turn. I have the right of way. But he gets in front of me. So what recourse do I have except to give him a little honk? So here I am, and I don't mean meep, meep. I'm honking at this person like a maniac. I'm just letting him know it was my turn. So we're driving down the road and he turns into the soccer field. <laughs> of course he did. There's nothing else on the road. Where else would he be going? So, I wasn't even that mad. I wasn't even, like it was just my turn. <sighs> All right, so rather than enter into possible real confrontation, I decided I'm going to go I'm not going to go in. I'm not going to follow him in. I'm going to drive slow down, drive around the back way, park somewhere else, maybe whatever, right? Who knows? He's going to baseball, basketball. Like who knows where he's going? We come all the way around. We pull up. We're sitting there. I think I'm parking away from whoever this person might be, and there's their car right over there. So now I'm sitting right behind them. I was like, oh, I just hope they don't notice me. Not only is it somebody going to the soccer field, it's somebody on my team. (laughs) This is before the negativity fast, but Katie has let me know at this point how negative I'm being. She wasn't even supposed to be in here when I planned this message. So I was like, I don't want to share this with you because I don't I don't want to jab me on the way home. I'm confessing. You don't have to say anything else. I got it. <laughs> so we wait to go in, hoping that we wouldn't be noticed, hoping he wouldn't know it was me. We got onto the field and he's laughing and he says, hey, coach, why are you honking at me? And I was like, oh, you got me. Where's my phone? I got to it down there. So I apologized to him at the field. I, we, he made a joke out of it and we laughed and I texted him. I'm just going to read what, what our dialogue was. The stories have kind of been funny, but it was pretty terrible, actually. This was a terrible moment in my life. I texted him after soccer. I said, my friend, I'm very sorry about the way I acted tonight. There was no way for a Christ follower to act. I feel embarrassed. What if it wasn't you and it was someone else who this guy is a devoted Christ follower? What if it wasn't you and it was someone else who was searching for Christ and the local pastor was the one honking at them? I failed to represent Jesus well. And I'm sorry to you and your wife. Please tell her I'm sorry. I learned a valuable lesson tonight. Thank you for being gracious. He says, don't worry, brother. We still full of mistakes. He's got an accent. We got we got day by day by his grace. We are learning each day. God's love never fail. Don't let enemy play you. You are God's warrior in our community. So for those that are new and are wondering what in the world is going on, maybe you're looking for the nearest exit. If you're looking for a perfect church, with the perfect pastor, perfect people, this is not it. Uh, that's also not a justification for me or anyone else to act like a moron. But James said to confess your sins to one another so you can be healed. And I had to confess to Moses and his family. I think God allows things like this to happen to me so that I can coach others through their situations. The reason I'm saying this is whatever you're going through is you're not alone. We're going through it together. This negative this negativity fast wasn't easy for me. I know it wasn't easy for you. We're going through it together. The fact that it was so hard is part of the reason why it's necessary. We have to train ourselves to think and to act and to speak differently. We have to train ourselves. But hear me, it will not happen by accident. You think I haven't had more opportunities to honk since that? I, I've had plenty. <laughs> but I choose not to. And my, my commitment, hopefully, is to never do it again unless it's, a, it's a, an, a, a moment of safety. I love this definition from Pastor Craig Groeschel from the book Power to Change. Uh, On training. He says training is doing today what you can do today so that tomorrow so that you can do tomorrow what you can't do today. Training is doing today what you can do today so that you can do tomorrow what you can't do today. Shifting our thoughts and changing our words seems impossible. And we're about to read it actually is impossible in our own strength. But that's why we train through the power of the Holy Spirit. I train today to be able to do something tomorrow that I couldn't do today. I honk less. I'm impatient less. I'm, I complain less. I speak negatively less. Will I be perfect? No, those who were fasting these past few weeks can attest the answer to that is no. That's a hard negative. No pun intended. But I train, I press toward the mark to obtain the prize, as Paul said. Let's look at the words of James. James is the half brother of Jesus, same mother, different father, part of a blended family. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus grew up in a blended family. Imagine what it must have been like to live in the house and be the brother of the Savior of the world, the one who could literally do no wrong. I imagine that James probably had some negative thoughts or words a time or two. He writes this in his book in the New Testament, James chapter 3. We put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Look, this is heavy language. He compares the rudder of a ship or the bridle in a horse's mouth to the tongue. And in the same way that the rudder or the bridle steer the boat or the horse, the words we speak direct our lives. The words we speak set the course for our future. And many of us are sabotaging our breakthrough because we are continually cursing others or ourselves with our words. And When James says, The word curse, it's not cursing as we've come to define it in our culture. It's not about four-letter words. The definition of this word is a word called imprecation. According to the Collins Dictionary, imprecation is this. is something rude, angry, or hostile that is said to or about someone. Something rude, angry, or hostile that is said to or about someone. Anybody else's toes feel a little bit sore? Something rude, angry or hostile that is said to or about someone. And with this new definition of curse, how many of us have cursed someone or ourselves sometime this week? Well, where does all of this angry, rude hostility come from? And we spoke about this quite a bit the last time that we spoke on this on part one of Speak the Breakthrough. And we looked at ancient Israel and how they were about to go into the promised land. And so Moses sent in 12 spies. Two came back with a good report, but 10 came back with an evil report. The input of the 10 had a greater influence than the input of the two. And I said last time, just like ancient Israel, we cannot overcome this kind of deficit in our lives. If for every two positive godly influences in my life, I have 10 that are negative and ungodly. How can I expect my life, my thoughts, my words to be anything but angry, rude and hostile? The ten spies with the evil, evil report spread the lies throughout the entire nation. God was exceedingly angry. He was so angry that he was going to kill them all and start over with Moses. And Moses stood between God and the people and God relented from his instant judgment. Instead, he opted to give the Israelites the very thing he heard them say. And what does God hear us say? What kind of things are we Experiencing in our lives because the words, the thoughts that we use are cursing ourselves and others. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 26, it says this. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. And so tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing that I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who has who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land, I swore, with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land that you have rejected. Now the word complaint here, or in grumbling, It's the Hebrew word loon, and it means to grumble or complain or to cause to grumble. Don't cause people to grumble. When someone comes to you with their complaint, don't be the fuel to their fire. Don't be pointing out everyone else's faults and failures. But it also means this, to lodge, to stop over, to abide, or to remain. See, they weren't just grumbling and complaining. They had chosen to abide and remain in this negative state of mind, choosing to ignore God and his promise, choosing to embrace the lies of those with the loudest voice. Jesus commands us to abide in him. How often, though, do we do the same thing? How often are we just like these complaining Israelites? Instead of choosing to embrace the words and the promises of God, we choose to remain, to abide, to lodge ourselves in negativity. These negative thought patterns become what science calls neural pathways. Craig Groeschel calls them ruts in our brain. We talked about this extensively last year in our Renew series. In other words, our thoughts are literally, physically, and scientifically creating little pathways or trails in our brains. God made us that way. Our brains are filtering through countless pieces of information and experiences and creating these neural pathways or what Craig calls ruts. And Part of the purpose of this is so that decisions will be easier to make. It's the way our brains help us to focus on what's pertinent to the decisions that we're making and it allows us to ignore the rest. All of the things that we do in a day that we don't give thought to are a result of ruts in our brain or neural pathways. And again, these ruts are there to help us be more efficient, right? You don't wake up in the morning and have to watch a tutorial on how to tie your shoes every day. Right? You don't have to relearn how to brush your teeth every day. We don't start each morning each morning, wondering if I'll know or remember how to turn on the coffee maker or how to turn on the shower. Right? Most of us in the room can get up in the middle of the night with no lights and navigate our house with all the obstacles to get to the bathroom. And if you're over 40, you do it every night. <laughs> These are neural pathways, but they also have a dark side. When we begin to think negatively, when we begin to believe lies about ourselves and others, you heard that. You, you already heard this message through the students. When we begin to leave, believe lies about ourselves and others, just like I can brush my teeth and tie my shoes with no effort, I can think negatively with little to no effort as well. In fact, it's our default. Anyone remember talking about negative bias? We've talked about that many times, but it's how we have the tendency to focus on the negative instead of the positive. And once we're in that rut, it's difficult to get out. Have you ever got your tires stuck in a rut on a dirt road and you can't can't seem to get out of it? That's exactly what happens when we go down a negative way of thinking. That's what's being described here. They were living, abiding, remaining in their state of negativity. This was this way of thinking wasn't new for them. It was definitely, you could see a pattern. It was a neural pathway. It was a rut that was easy for them to fall into and difficult to get out of. Let's go back just a couple of chapters. Numbers chapter 11. A couple of weeks ago, I told you this is one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. And then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. These people just won't stop. Right. Complain, complain, complain. Are we any different? Verse two, when the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. This is this is the first time that what we read a second ago was the first time, a second time that Moses stood before the people. God's ready to kill him. Moses jumps in the middle. It's like, God, please let the fire die down. So the fire died down. And that place was called uh, Tibera because fire from the Lord had burned among them. Verse four. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. These people have been in bondage for hundreds of years. When I was... I'll have some of that fish. I don't mind the bondage. Come on, bro. At no cost, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks. I can't, you, can't hardly, you can't read it. Like if you don't read it in a whiny voice, it's just not right. <laughs> we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost and the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. And now we've lost our appetite. We never have anything to eat except this manna. The manna was like coriander seed. It looked like resin, and the people went around gathering it and then ground it into hand mill or crushed it in a mortar. They cooked it in a pot or made it into loaves, and it tasted like something made with olive oil. And when the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. And Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents, and the Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. And he asked the Lord, why have you brought all this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of these people on me? That I conceive these people? That I give them birth? <laughs> Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land that you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, get me meat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. God's done. Moses is done. <laughs> Thankfully, they're not. You know what I mean? Like God's ready to kill them. Moses is like, don't. Now Moses is like, kill them all. God, you know what I mean? So if they ever got together at the same time, this would be a completely different story. <laughs> I never noticed this until I was reading, it ready, but he says, if this is how you're going to treat me, kill me now if I found favor in your eyes. In other words, kill me, but I want to go to heaven. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want you to do not let me face my own ruin. All right, let's drop a few verses. Uh, verse 18, tell the people, this is God's talk. consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. And now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day or two days or five, 10 or 20 days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. Because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? There's a lot going on in this passage. I encourage you to go and read it. Numbers 11, 12, 13, 14. Just, Just so, so good. This pattern of complaining and negative thinking plagues the ancient Israelites. And I want to point out a similarity in the passage about the spies and the passage about having so much meat that it comes out their nose. So we've already spent extensive time talking about where the bad report came from in the other passage, right? In regards to the spies, the influence of the 10 spies corrupted the nation. But I want to point out verse 4, and we've talked about this before, but in Numbers chapter 11, verse 4, it says this, the rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. See, some versions translate this verse as the foreign rabble. The actual Hebrew definition is collection. The implication is this is a mixed multitude. The rabble are foreigners that are traveling with them. Do you see the pattern? In chapter 13 and 14, we have a nation ready to take possession of their promised land and ten spies corrupted the nation. In chapter 11, we have a nation traveling to their promised land and a few foreigners, the rabble traveling with them, corrupted the nation. And God's people began to complain and grumble and murmur and they never reached their destiny. They never experienced their breakthrough. It was the input of a few. That corrupted the masses. Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter five, verse nine. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. The ancient King Solomon, who was credited as the wisest man who ever lived, said this. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine and ruin the vineyard. It's the outside influences that corrupt our thinking. And once our thinking is corrupted, our words will also be corrupted. If you look up. The word rabble in the dictionary, one of the definitions is this, is a tool used to stir the fire. So many of us are missing our breakthrough because we're allowing foreign rabble to stir up the negative fire. There are people in our lives that are constantly stirring the fire of negativity inside of us. And listen, I hate to sound like a broken record about social media, but we're allowing the rabble of social media to stir the fire of negativity. Instead of speaking the breakthrough, all we do is regurgitate the things that we see and hear others say. And I'm telling you that if we want to see consistent breakthrough in our lives, we will have to change the way we speak. And if we're going to change the way we speak, we will have to change the way that we think. And if we're going to change the way that we think, we have to change our input. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in 24, says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Above all else, above everything else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And when you break down these words, the implication is to protect your heart as if it's on lockdown. One version says, watch over your heart with all diligence. The words used here, it literally means a place of confinement, a prison, a jail, a guardhouse. Look, I know that God has called us to be free, but in regards to protecting our heart, which is translated mind and emotions, we are to put it on lockdown, a maximum maximum security prison. In other words, I'm not letting anything in That could bring corruption. I'm not letting in the negative spies. I'm not letting in the foreign rabble. We've got breakthrough to pursue. We've got destinies to fulfill. We've got purpose to achieve. We've got God-given dreams that we're supposed to be fulfilling. The time for negativity is gone. The time for doubt, fear, and unbelief has expired. The time for anxiety and worry is over. It's time to embrace who God says that we are. It's time for those who have been under to come up over. It's time for those who have been the tail to become the head. Those who were beneath to rise above. Those who have been conquered to become the conquerors. Those who have been without to have more than enough. The negativity stops here. We are who God says that we are. And we can do what God says that we can do. So negativity fast. Week two with some time in between. If you missed it last time, start today. If you failed last time, start again. If you completed the task, keep going. Because we're just scratching the surface. I said last week in a joking manner, but it's not really a joke. Because I don't, I don't need a negativity fast. I need a negativity detox. There are things in my life that I I just, you know what I mean? Like, how many of you scroll on social media sometimes? You're scrolling, you don't, you're not even reading. You're just, you just, your thumb's just moving. Or if you're old, you're doing this. (laughs) You don't even, you're not, you're not even reading until you come on something that's negative and you read that and then you get all worked up. Anybody else do that? Does anybody else do that? (laughs) And then you, then you turn it off and you're like, I don't, even know, I don't even know what I did for the last 30 minutes. I sat here and I scrolled through this trash. I was looking for a picture of so-and-so to see how their whatever went. And now I'm sucked into some political debate that I don't, and it's not that I don't care about, but I don't want really to get sucked up into this or I'm sucked into that and I'm just like, now I'm in a bad mood. And some of us need to detox the things in our life that cause that kind of stress and anxiety. Currently, I don't have social media on my phone. I don't know. That's okay. it's okay. Like, I don't know if it's going to last an hour, a day, or 30 days. It needs to last forever. I'm sure that I will, you know, it's like we have all this stuff. We post stuff from the church. I'm checking this. I'm checking that. It's like all these excuses to not, because you know, I'm just going to eliminate it. I got to get it off my phone. I'm wasting too much time. So part of my detox is getting rid of those kinds of things to have instant access to them. What is it in your life that you need to just just get it? Just go. Let's go. Cold turkey. Let's go. Let's get rid of it. The things that are creating anxiety. Now, if it's your spouse, that's different. (laughs) You got to work through that. But the things that are creating anxiety and worry and all of the stuff, right? We often look at the Bible as if it's just some kind of book full of prophecies and stories and history. It's really a collection of books, but the Bible is so practical and it doesn't really get any more practical than this. Change your thoughts, change your words, change your life, fast negativity and speak the breakthrough. I really haven't even talked about actually speaking the breakthrough. I'm really more focusing on what's coming in because I know that if we change what comes in, what comes out, will change. What did Jesus say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can tell what somebody believes when it's what's coming out. And a lot of us, we have our we have our Christianese, we have our things to say. How's it going in your life? And we know the verses, and we can quote all the stuff, and we sound like whatever. But you let crisis strike, you let a teammate pull in front of you on the highway, you'll find out what's really inside. When we go through things and those emotions get stirred up. That's when the true you, the true me is going to come out. And if what's coming out is some kind of regurgitated mess or all kinds of anger and all kinds of whatever, then we need to do some evaluation and say, I've got to cut that out of my life so that what I'm putting in will eventually come out. The seeds that we're planting, they don't grow overnight. You can go home and read your Bible for a few minutes today and then still experience road rage tomorrow morning. Like it's, you know what I mean? You got to plant the seed. It's got to take some root. It's got to have time to grow. But we have to cultivate that. We talked about that in our fruits of the spirit. Gifts are given, but fruits cultivated. Love, and joy, and patience, and kindness, and long suffering, and all you know—all of the things that we deal with—that has to be cultivated in our life. God doesn't just go, "Okay, now you love people." Like, you no, know, I mean, I wish it were that easy, but it's not. Now you're patient. No, that's not how it happens. The Spirit of God can move instantaneously and He brings healing and prophecy and declares the Word and all the things that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. But the fruit of the Spirit has to be cultivated. We've got to figure out what it is. What seeds am I planting? What do I need to cut out? What weeds are choking my, my harvest? So let's do it again. Negativity fast, week two. Join me in fasting negativity. If you didn't do it last time, again, jump in. If you're not part of this church, just jump in and just see. Just do an evaluation. It's going to take three or four days before you even begin to realize. You, like, it's, there's inventory that has to take place. You, then you have to begin to notice it. And once you begin to notice it, then you're like, oh, shoot. I mm, I am negative. I do honk my horn a lot. I do. (laughs) Negativity fast week two. I believe that if we will fast negativity, we can change our thoughts. We can change our words. If we change our words, we'll change our life. And I don't mean that to sound, I don't mean that to sound like some kind of Swami, Guru, name it, claim it. Like I'm gonna say it. That's just gotta be like, I, like I, I'm just. Let's just do what God says. Let's allow the power of the Holy Spirit to help us change our words, and I know that it will change our lives. Could we pray? Would you bow your heads just for a moment? God, thank you for this word. Thank you for your Spirit that's been felt in this place today. Thank you for these students, God, and the word that they declared over us and. God, testimonies that were read and pictures that were shared and all of the things. God, your spirit is in all of that. Thank you, God, that you're moving in our midst and you're drawing people to you. God, just as we began this message with a bit of a exhortation, let me reiterate that, God, over these people. And I pray that their hearts should be touched. If you're in this place and you're not in right standing with God, today is the day of salvation. It's your moment. If you know that your heart is not in right standing with God, you need forgiveness. You need to surrender to him. Would you lift your hand, please, in this room? Amen. I see your hands. You can put your hand down. Can we stand on our feet just for a moment? Of you would say I already know I don't have to do inventory my life is full of negativity and I need to make some changes good this message was for three of us <laughs> I hope that I hope us three really got something out of it. let's let's pray a prayer together I'm gonna I'm gonna lead us in a prayer and I want you to pray the words it's gonna be my words but I need you to make them your own I need you to own it in your heart and whether you lifted your hand or you didn't if you'll pray these prayer, pray this prayer, and mean it from your own heart, I believe that God will touch you right at your seat. And salvation is is free, but discipleship costs you everything. So, what I'm inviting you to costs you nothing on the front end, but it is going to be costly. It's more than just saying a prayer, than walking out the door and be like, "Yeah, I'm good." said a prayer, fine. It's going to be work. We surrender. We're justified or sanctified, kind of a churchy word, where we just become more like Jesus every day. I honk less. I'm negative less. I'm impatient less. And I'm just chasing Jesus. Can we pray a prayer together and say, Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father thank, you for your son thank you for sending your Son to die in my place. Thank you for taking my sin to the cross. I ask you to forgive me. I'm sorry for living life my own way. I surrender my life to you. Please come into my heart. Come into my life. Change me. Make me new. I want to be like you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you lifted your hand or if you didn't, you prayed that prayer in your heart and you're like, you know what? I, I feel God stirring in my heart. That prayer is just step one. Some of you lifted your hand and you, you've known the Lord for a long time. There are people across the building and, I, and I, I know you personally. I know that you have a relationship with the Lord and this is a moment of, of recommitment and surrender for you. And that's okay too. Like I surrender my life all the time. Every Sunday on the way to get donuts for the team, I'm like, God, I'm a mess. Use me. Whatever you want to pour through, just I invite you to say and do what you want to do. I surrender my life to you again. But if you prayed that prayer, whether it was for the first time or the hundredth time in your life, and you would like someone to pray with you, I want to invite you to come to the front in just a moment. Katie and I and our team will be available to pray with you. And if you're facing something that's unrelated to anything we talked about, maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you're going through a difficult time. Maybe you recently lost a loved one. Maybe you recently got a terrible diagnosis. And you just want encouragement and you want faith to come alive in your heart. We'll pray with you. Come together and agree that God will move on your behalf. Because we still serve a God that does miracles. And he can do a miracle in your life and today could be the day. God, thank you for your on blessing on On behalf of on Pastor Randy on. and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.